Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast as we leave week four and head into week five. And today, we are going to be joined by the host of the very popular NFL Red Zone channel, which launched 14 years ago and is as strong as ever. He's Mr. Every Touchdown from every game. In recent weeks, Aaron Rodgers has been showering him with praise, noting his remarkable work and energy levels, which you will soon see. And he is my former colleague from the NFL Network, the great Scott Hansen. But first, we are going to go into the six-pack, and we're going to do it in a little bit of a different way from now on. We're going to be joined by the host of Fantasy Focused, my friend, my colleague, Daniel Dopp, this week's six-pack. All right, Daniel, welcome. Thrilled to have you here. Thrilled to be here, Adam. It's going to be great. We're going to go over six items each week, and we're going to start this week. I thought it would be the appropriate place to start with your Detroit Lions. Heck yeah. Who have never, never won the NFC North as it's currently constituted. They did win the NFC Central in 1993, but no division titles since then. And Daniel, it looks like we may get you a division title this year. I'll tell you what, this Detroit Lions team is not the same old Lions that I grew up with, Adam. I think that team that you're talking about uh, had to beat out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Central a long time ago, back when they were a five-team division. So I'm thrilled to be able to be in this spot where it's like, I feel like I've got a legit GM and a coach leading my team for the first time in like a positive direction. I am just, I couldn't be more excited about it. And the idea that the NFC North looks as bad as it does right now doesn't hurt things. No big deal. So as a Lions fan, I'm thrilled. Well, the Bears aren't winning the division. I don't think the Vikings are going to rebound to win the division. They've already won in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. So it sets up. It's all right there for you, Daniel. It's all right there for you and Detroit. It's time for the Lions to take advantage of that division title. Let's see if they can do that. Now, item number two on the six-pack, the aforementioned Chicago Bears. Would you believe right now as they head in to Thursday night's game against the Washington Commanders as we tape this podcast early Tuesday morning on October 3rd that the Bears as it currently stands now would have the first and second picks in the upcoming draft. They have the worst record in football. The Carolina Panthers' first pick belongs to the Bears. They haven't won a game. The Bears are sitting there on two. Can you believe how far they've fallen, Daniel? Oh, it's terrible right now. This this division, I shouldn't say division. This team, let's start there, looks so bad right now. I, I like, I don't know as a Bears fan how you watch these games and feel like you've got a semblance of hope for the future because right now this organization feels like a dumpster fire. Everything that happened earlier on in the season and understanding the comments that were made by Justin Fields, I know they got blown out of proportion, but he looks not good trying to figure out how to play a game that the coaches want him to play I don't understand what's going on with Chase Claypool Adam they traded the 33rd overall pick for Claypool it turned into the 32nd overall pick and now they want a fifth or sixth rounder from a guy that they're telling to stay away from the team but Matt Eberflus didn't even know he was supposed to stay away from the team like how do Eberflus and Ryan Poles make it through to next year's draft to be able to use those two picks because right now it feels like this team doesn't have a direction. Well, I think Poles 
has a real chance to make it through. I think he deserves to make it through. We'll see how it shakes out. But the Bears right now, I just can't even believe how they look. It's just terrible. Let's go on to item number three. The guy that has been the fantasy star, the guy that has captured the league by storm, a guy that I think certain people in the Rams organization didn't even know was going to bust out the way that he did. Puka Nakua, who has 39 catches through four games, nine more than Anquan Bolden had at the same time in 2003 for the most receptions ever by a player in his first four games. Nakua has 501 receiving yards, which also beats Bolden and his 464 yards in 2003 for the most receiving yards ever by a player in his first four games. What has most impressed you about the sensation known as Puka Nakua? Dude, a, a kid coming out as a fifth rounder to get these reps and all of this opportunity right out the gate. And not only did he get the opportunity, Adam, how many guys in the NFL get the opportunity and then don't capitalize it on the way that they want to? And Puka absolutely has crushed it. Everything that he could potentially do, locking on with Matthew Stafford, looking like they've got a great connection the same way that Cooper Cup and Stafford did. I, I think being able to see that, that chemistry that developed so quickly, with Matthew Stafford under center for this rookie to be able to help keep these Rams in a spot where they could stay afloat. They've been really frisky this year. In spite of the fact that I don't think their roster has as many good players as we would want. They've been frisky staying in games, Adam. Puka has been just one of many storylines within this Rams team that I think has looked fantastic to start the year. They've been fun to watch. I told everybody at the beginning of the year about Kyron Williams. Yes, you did. <laughs> But I cannot believe I didn't also share the Puka Nakua news. And actually, I reached out to one of my Rams friends. I'm like, what's the deal? And he's like, I didn't see this coming. Nobody yeah. did, right? <laughs> no one did. Nobody None did right did. now. All right, item number four on this week's six-pack, the New York Jets and Zach Wilson. And mm. isn't it amazing how everybody in the New York metropolitan area was ready to run off Zach Wilson, bury him, cut him, banish him, berate him, whatever it may be. And then lo and behold, on Sunday night, we could say he outperformed Patrick Mahomes and looked like the number two overall pick that he was. Now, I don't know that he's going to continue it, but I do think there's a lesson in there in that we need to slow down sometimes and have a little patience sometimes and not be so quick to judge these players sometimes because everybody develops at different speeds. And for all the people who wanted the Jets to trade for Kirk Cousins or sign Carson Wentz or bring Brett Favre out of retirement or whatever it may be. The best option, as the Jets thought, was right on the roster. They need Zach Wilson to come through, and he looked like he did on Sunday night against the Chiefs. We'll see if he could take it forward now and then Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton Bull. But what did you think of the way that Zach Wilson played on Sunday night, Daniel? Well, he had a ton of grit, Adam, in spite of the fact that even us in fantasy, like when we talk about it, we would much rather have Aaron Rodgers out there because we want Garrett Wilson catching as many passes as we can. But this is one of the things with Zach Wilson under center. We were hoping to be able to have a guy that could look decent under center. And last week against the Chiefs, I thought Zach Wilson looked better than he has all season long. He looked better than I've seen him look in years, it feels like. So to be able to have this kid, Having Aaron Rodgers there, hopefully being able to learn from Aaron, even though he's not playing, having that time with a Hall of Famer. And now, no offense, Adam, I apologize for saying this, but getting the Denver Broncos. This is the defense that fix all ailments in the NFL right now. Are you kidding me? We're at the spot where, like, if you want to have a good game, you need that fix me game for your team. 
the Denver Broncos is the defense you want to play. So this week, coming out of what was a really tough Chiefs game in which they were super competitive, imagine if they do that same thing here against Denver two games in a row, how much confidence that's going to give to Zach Wilson and this Jets team. All right, Daniel, item number five on this week's six-pack, the rematch of the Cowboys 49ers. And this may be today the best rivalry in the NFL. If we think of games that we'd like to see, Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins, Eagles, Cowboys. But I don't know that there's any matchup that's more mouthwatering than the 49ers and Cowboys. The story that I love to tell is I remember they were playing in the playoffs in Dallas two years ago, and Nickelodeon was doing a slime time game that day, and ESPN had the Rams-Cardinals Monday night playoff game. I arranged my flight schedule entirely around the 49ers-Cowboys playoff game, so I could step on a JetBlue flight at 3.30 and be in my seat in position for the 4.30 playoff start on channel two. And what happens on that JetBlue flight? CBS is the only channel not working. No! On the flight. The only channel. And so I watched that game (laughs) sitting next to Randy Moss on Slime Time. With all the slime no graphics way. and all the SpongeBob <laughs> characters popping in. And when Nick Bosa goes down with a hamstring injury, like that's it. You don't hear any updates about whether Nick Bosa, the most no. important defensive player, is coming back because we're not talking about injuries on Nickelodeon. So we got to San Francisco or LA, Randy and I, and we watched the whole game on Nickelodeon. Now, to me, not as great. Randy loved it. <laughs> Couldn't get enough of it. Would rather watch every game on Nickelodeon. All games on Nickelodeon. <laughs> we get that matchup. On Sunday night, what are your thoughts on the 49ers-Cowboys meeting? Oh, my gosh. Adam, it's going to be fireworks. I mean, regardless of what happens in this game, whether it's just a defensive battle back and forth because we know both of these defenses are fantastic, or it's an offensive shootout, there's just superstars here across the board. I'm excited to be able to watch this game as a fan. I'm excited as a fantasy manager to play basically everyone in this game as well. I've been thrilled. Watching both of these teams, the 49ers 4-0, the Cowboys 3-1. Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals. Can you believe that? Right now, like that's the only thing holding the Cowboys back from a 4-0 record. So I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I can't imagine another game that I'm looking forward to this much until we get deep, deep into the regular season. A great matchup for Sunday night, Dallas at San Francisco. And the last item on this week's six-pack, Daniel. And some people aren't going to like this. But we do. I love it. It's the Taylor Swift impact. Yes. Daniel, viewership among teen girls from ages 12 to 17 was up 53% from the season-to-date average of the first three weeks of Sunday Night Football, while the audience among women ages 18 to 24 was up 24%. Women 35 and older increased 34% per Nielsen. And the combined growth led to an approximate increase of more than 2 million female viewers on Sunday night for the Jets-Chiefs game. And the ultimate proof was at about 11 o'clock, my 23-year-old son texted me a picture of my now 15-year-old daughter, Dylan, sitting at the kitchen table fighting with my wife because my wife wanted her to go to bed and she wanted to stay up and watch the Chiefs-Jets game, which never has happened before that, my friend, is the Taylor Swift impact on the NFL. Adam, I have loved this and something we've talked about on Fantasy Focus, right? We want to get more 
like especially within fantasy, but I'm going to talk just NFL in general. We want to get more women involved in the NFL in this game. We want to find ways to be able to make it be exciting and to have it be fun and to share this with other people. And this is one of those organic moments where you can do that, where if you've got a daughter or a son or a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or anyone in your home that is a Taylor Swift fan, this is an unbelievably awesome and organic moment for you to be able to cultivate so many things here to be able to help empower them, help teach them something, help them be able to have the same fun that you're having at the same time. Maybe maybe you decide you're going to become a Swifty yourself, Adam. This is a two-way street. You know what I mean? Like maybe you listen to a Taylor Swift song on the way to school with your daughter one of these days. So what I'm saying is there's a great and awesome opportunity for people that love the NFL to be able to embrace this and cultivate it even more. To have more NFL fans and fandom, I just think this is a really awesome moment. I don't care about the whole get off my lawn. I'm tired of hearing about Taylor Swift. I think this is incredible. We're bringing new people into the game. That's what this is all about. That's awesome. And the NFL is this giant, powerful outlet. Gets everything it wants, does everything the way it wants. The one thing it can't have, it can't have Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. She keeps saying no over and over to the NFL. And that's, that's right. She changes its Twitter handle or its X handle to Taylor Swift pay like even the league is fawning over Taylor's oh Taylor please be our friend we are Swifties we want you playing halftime of the Super the league can't do enough to please and satisfy the great Taylor Swift I'm with you Adam I love this I think it's an amazing moment I want to keep cultivating this I got no problem making the game easier for new fans to be able to come and find all right Daniel well you've come a long way in your career you used <laughs> to produce this podcast now we're doing the six-pack together. I appreciate you making the time to do the six-pack this week, and we'll look forward to doing it again next week, Daniel. Thank you so much, Adam. Can't wait. And now we go back to the host of the Red Zone Channel, a man whose energy level drew the attention of Aaron Rodgers as he sat there after Achilles surgery watching the Red Zone Channel like all of us do on the weekends. He could not believe what he was watching. Scott Hansen in motion. Scott Hansen doing what he was doing. Scott Hansen doing what he's trained to do all these years, ever since he went to Syracuse, and we worked together at the NFL Network. Without further ado, the host of the Red Zone Channel, Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen! Look who it is. <laughs> Look who it is there! What's up, buddy? Nice to see you. How you doing? I'm well, man. I'm well. This is a treat for me. I'm glad to be on your show, for sure. It's a treat for me to reunite with a former coworker. I know, man. We spent we we spent some time in some uh, in some town cars, going back and forth from airports back in the old Thursday night football days. And uh, oh yeah, man, yeah. Before you became Scott Hansen of Red Zone, this is true. I was a roving reporter, if you remember, before before Red Zone came about. A very distinguished roving reporter, I might add. Well, I tried. I tried. And and it, we might get into this, but I was always the guy who, when they sent me to do a report from a game, I'd be, you know, pregame report on the sideline, then go watch the game up in the press box. So I'd be up in the press box at Gillette Stadium or wherever, and Tom Brady and the Patriots would be playing Mark Sanchez and the and the Jets right in front of me. But I'd have my laptop open, and I'd be watching, like, all the other games in all the other stadiums, even though I had a live football game right really? in front of me. Because I was always interested in the 30,000-foot in the, the view of the NFL. 
And I'd be I'd be jabbing the reporters next to me who were like beat reporters from the Jets or the or the Patriots, telling them, yeah, yeah, but uh, Tony Romo just hit Terrell Owens for the second touchdown of the first half, and Adrian Peterson's on his way to a hundred yard game in in Minnesota, and all this, like always preoccupied with everything else that was going on in the NFL. So you didn't even realize that you were training to do the job you are today. Back in the day. When we were working together like that. I, dude, I can even go further back than that. My mom has a funny story about stuff that I that I used to do. I don't know if you want to hear it. Absolutely. Go ahead. So when I was a kid, I grew up in suburban Detroit. And when the Lions were playing, we'd get the Lions on, on our regular TV in the family room. But like sometimes they would play, you know, a separate game on back then it was CBS and NBC that had the two contracts. So I would put it on the main living room TV with like the Lions game. Then I drag my dad's TV and I got an extra long cable, drag my dad's TV to watch a second game. I would try and find another game on the radio. And I'm talking just regular old radio. Maybe I could pick up something from, you know, Chicago or, or someplace else. And then I'd have like a newspaper and a magazine that had all my football stats in it. And my mom would say, Scott, I, I would see you do this all the time when you're a kid. This is no different than what you're doing today. Multitasking with football and getting engrossed in all, as many games as I possibly could. There you go. So you were training for this back in the day. But that doesn't explain where the Scott Hansen energy level comes from that Aaron Rodgers referred to on the <laughs> Pat McAfee show last week. Now, I will say again, I've said this in the past, but one of the greatest inventions in the history of football watching is the Red Zone Channel. No pisses. Scott's got a couple of those cups that AJ's got, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we yep. think, too. It's like yep. a little, yeah, good energy. Maybe though. maybe he's drinking it, too, because he still looks young and True. energetic. Maybe. So maybe, who knows? And that led to this right here, right? When Aaron Rodgers says, man, I can't believe Scott Hansen's energy level, where would you tell him? That energy comes from, and is it all natural, Scott, as I believe it to be? It is. In fact, I don't know if you remember this from our days at NFL Media when we'd have early call times or whatever. I don't drink coffee, so I don't even need the the extra little enhancement or, or stimulus of caffeine to get me going. When, when it's an NFL Sunday, just a shower in the morning is all I need to hit the ground running. And I literally think about all of the fans, the millions of people that watch me, that watch us on NFL Red Zone, they, they, they're working hard in whatever life they have from Monday through Saturday. And they probably got one day off, maybe two days off a week from work, and Sunday's one of them. And if they're going to stop and spend the day with me for seven straight hours, I'm going to give them everything I got. And I always keep in mind and, and rem, remind myself, we're not we're not breaking bricks here, people. You know, football is awesome, but it still is the toy department of life. And so I, I always had enthusiasm for the game when I was a player, when I was a 10-year-old and thought I was going to play in the NFL someday. And, uh, you know, the Lord didn't have that in the plans for me. So I'm like, I'm going to have as much enthusiasm as I possibly can have when I get into my career, if I'm blessed enough to to become a sportscaster, which which was my goal immediately from knowing that I would not be an NFL football player, I wanted to be an NFL broadcaster from the time that as, as early as I can remember. 
but it's still seven straight hours of yeah. intensity and a lot of energy. So is there any coffee that you need to drink? Obviously, you're not needing to do ayahuasca or anything like that during the course of the day, Scott, like Aaron Rodgers might suspect. But is there anything that you're doing to help you get through that? an energy bar, caffeine, anything? No, I, I have a big breakfast in the morning. So I, I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm talking Pacific time here. Uh, so the show begins at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And the chefs at NFL media headquarters make me the same exact breakfast every single NFL Sunday morning. I've used it as kind of a formula to, to get me going for, for the day. And I eat that breakfast at 6.15 a.m. Not 6.14, not 6.16. 6.15 a.m., I'm walking through the door, picking up my breakfast, which is a turkey burger patty, just dense protein, turkey burger patty, no, no bun, scrambled egg whites, salty, crispy bacon to help me retain water, if you know what I'm saying, because I don't take any breaks, famously or infamously, I yes. take no breaks on NFL Red Zone. Uh, mixed fruit, get a little vitamin C in me, uh, a muffin to have a little extra, extra, you know, filling in my stomach, like a blueberry muffin. And then the secret ingredient, a side of Kalamata olives, you know, the purplish olives that you can get. I get Kalamata olives. I, I love the salty taste of that. And it helps me retain water. I might have one bottle of water and one like diet soft drink with a little bit of caffeine in it. No coffee. I hate coffee. And I do that. That's three hours, three and a half hours before the show. I am finished with breakfast and I will not ingest anything. No more water, no more food until I'm back home here in my place watching Sunday night football later that night. And then it's just the Hanson men in my house, my, my dad is, my dad has passed on, but my dad, he was a power pack and he loved football. And I got my love of football from my father. And I'm, I'm thankful that out of all the biological uh, things that I inherited from him, his energy was one of them. And he, he was just the most enthusiastic guy. And uh, I, I, I said, yep, I'm going to have that same enthusiasm. I'm going to keep it going. And then even when I get tired and I do get tired, but even when I'm tired in the late window and Aaron Rodgers is sitting there on his couch, you know, already conking out, I'm thinking somebody cares about this Broncos Raiders game in the fourth quarter, even if it's a, a 20 point lead or something like that. And I'm like, I'm still going to serve that audience and give them the absolute best that I can, because that's the way I would want to be treated if I was a fan sitting at home and someone else was hosting the show. And I really believe in that. Adam, I really believe in the golden rule to treat people the way that you wish you would be, you would want to be treated. What, what's interesting to me is you've always had this energy. You had it as a roving reporter, and now you've just brought this energy to what has become the perfect vehicle and outlet for you to have that energy. Seven yeah. hours, every touchdown, every big play of every game on red zone featuring you. There's a football tie into this actually too, because I think you probably know, but but I played football in college. I was a walk-on at Syracuse University. Two years under Dick McPherson, the, the old Patriots coach. He didn't do well in the pros, but he was a Hall of Famer in college football. And then two years under Paul Pasqualoni, a guy yeah. who had coached, went on to coach in the uh, in the NFL as an assistant at different times. 
So, but I was a walk-on. I was a scrub. I was like a division three talent. Yep. But I knew I wanted to become a sports broadcaster and Syracuse has just an absolutely excellent sports broadcasting program. So I, uh, I went, I, I walked on the team and with everyone having talent, that was way over the top of mine. I was like, I dang well better have enthusiasm and hustle if I'm even going to keep my head above water on this big time division one college football program. And I walked on, I made the team. I played for four years uh, on, on the Syracuse football team, but I was never able to elevate my status to where the coaches would say, Hey, to win this game, we need Hanson in this game right now. I never got to that point. I was on the scout team. I was getting roughed up by the by the starters and, the, and you know and getting them ready for the game. And I promised myself that when I got into my career, that I was going to make myself into someone that my bosses, aka my coaches in my professional life, my bosses would want to say to have the best show possible. We need Hanson on this show. I, I made myself a promise. And and I I it's probably like Tom Brady back in the day when he said that that you know he thought he was going to get benched at the University of Michigan if he threw an interception in practice. And he was a senior and a team captain. And yet there was a young Drew Henson that they that was the five-star golden boy that they really wanted to get on the field. And Brady said, I, I felt like I was going to get benched if I threw an interception in practice. It was like that type of of you've never made it. You've never fully arrived. And even though Red Zone is galactically popular right now, I want to get better constantly. And I want to I want to act like I'm a rookie doing this for the first time. And, and hopefully the energy and enthusiasm is part of that because people want to see yeah. it's football, man. We love the drama. We love the action. We love the juice. We love we love the witching hour when a win becomes a loss and a loss becomes a win. And, and I want to serve that and be a conduit to that and be a um, be a person that I think people can can feel like, you know what? I like watching football with Scott Hansen on Sundays. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam.
You talk about the show being galactically popular, and I've never heard of anything being referred to as galactically popular. I love <laughs> that. But aside from Aaron Rodgers, have you heard from other notable individuals who have watched the Red Zone over the years, a text that you got that like, oh my God, I can't believe Taylor Swift is watching the Red Zone or whoever, or that it's on in a place like the White House or anything like that. What are some messages you've received that blew your mind about the popularity of the show? Yeah, well, I have had it passed on to me that we've been on in the White House uh, in the in the Obama and Trump administrations. I'm not sure about the current administration, but uh, and that's the second hand, maybe even third hand. But I've heard that. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I know that it's on in locker rooms in the NFL at times, like for Sunday night football. Yeah. So, we, got, uh, you know, as you and I speak, we've, we've got the uh, Chiefs and Jets this weekend on Sunday night football. Like, it would not surprise me at all if if the players who get there three hours before the game or whatever have have red zone on. Uh, current current players tell me Josh Allen says it's his favorite show when he's not playing on Sunday from one o'clock till till eight o'clock at night. He's watching NFL red zone. Tom Brady tells me that he loves it. He says it's his favorite show on TV. Um, Wait, Tom Brady, did he text you, call you? How did that? How did he ex- express that to you? So this is a funny story. So one of my jobs at NFL media during Super Bowl week is what, what, you know, what they used to call media day, which was on Tuesday afternoons for the longest time. You know, now, obviously, they move that to Monday night and it's called right. Super Bowl opening night, trying to make another big event to kick off Super Bowl week. And this is when, you know, the AFC champs and the NFC champs fly into the Super Bowl city and they have their media availability. Well, let's just say the AFC team goes for their one hour. Then there's like a little halftime before the NFC goes. During that halftime, the NFL asks me to go up on stage at the big venue where Media Day's going. And they put the Vince Lombardi trophy there and they have me introduce the team captains from the NFC champion, da 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 da, and the team captains from the AFC champion, da 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 da. Well, Brady played in a million Super Bowls. So one of these years, I'm introducing the Patriots. I want to say it was Patriots Falcons. I mean, it's hard to keep track of the Patriots Super Bowls, and I've done this for many of the Super Bowls. So I'm introducing them, and then they come out, and the team captains shake hands, and they have a photo op with the trophy there. Well, then we throw to commercial break, and the stage lights go dim, and then the players can walk off the stage. So everyone's kind of walking off the stage. The lights are dim, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and it's Brady. And, you know, he's tall. And I'm like, I'm looking up. I'm like, oh, Tom, hey. And he goes, Scott. I, and he's thinking about, you know, starting his media session and whatnot. And he goes, Scott, I just want to tell you what a great job you do on NFL uh, Reds. And I was like, wow, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, I don't get starstruck at all. And I, I greatly admire Brady. I admired him as a player. And I admire him, you know, just in terms of his overall career uh, and life. But I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool when the GOAT is watching your show and says it's his favorite show. And by the way, there's a witness that you and I both know because the next year, or it was yeah. two years later, they made the Super Bowl again. This may have been um, may have been Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. Um, uh, Chad Steele, the excellent communications director from the Baltimore Ravens, when, he, when the Ravens don't make the Super Bowl, his job is to basically shadow one of the two quarterbacks and he's Brady's like personal handler in from a media perspective during Super Bowl week. 
big, tall, handsome guy. So he, you know, he could get around and he could direct traffic when all the cameras were trying to crush in on Brady. And so Chad was escorting Brady around to this Super Bowl and Brady's walking up to do this moment again. This is a couple of years later, right after the moment when he tapped me on the shoulder. And Chad says, hey, can I go get a picture with Scott? Like, like the Tom said that the Tom wanted to get a photo with me. And, wow. and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, come on. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty fun. That's, that's pretty fun that, that NFL red zone has worked its way, not only through all the fans, but uh, I've heard from different ho- Hollywood people watch it. Uh, Charles Barkley discovered it a few years ago and shouted us out on inside the NBA, which was, that was, yeah. When you get a shout out from Charles, that's, that's pretty cool. So it's a, it's a heck of a responsibility. And now that I talk about it, I'm like going to get in my own head about like how many people are watching it. Cause I want to make it seem like I'm just talking to you individually, the football fan. Yeah. I don't want to make it seem like, I mean, I understand that the, the, the popular, the, the, the popularity of the show and the number of people that are watching, but I don't ever want to get it. I don't want to become a caricature of what we are, which is delivering the absolute best of the competition that is, in, for my money, the best on the planet, pro football. Was there a moment, you mentioned Brady, Barkley, the White House, but was there a moment when you knew that this red zone concept was taking off? I got to be honest, Adam, I thought from the beginning that it yes. would. I, I really did. When when uh, when the folks at NFL Media, and, and you, were, you were back at NFL Media at the time, and by the way, for those listening to the show, I'm just going to go on record. Adam Schefter's departure from NFL Network was the single biggest mistake in NFL media's history. You've gone on to a fantastic career and a fantastic life, and we love you, brother. But I still miss you, and the originals still miss you over here in Los Angeles. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. I, I didn't want to leave. I, I got know. thrown out. If you want to tell the story, I'd be happy to corroborate it for you because it was a different time back then and uh, an unfortunate time. Well, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, my contract was coming up. They made me an offer. I declined the offer. And the next thing I knew, I had the contents of my office at NFL headquarters cleaned out and mailed to me to my house in New York. And that was it. I was taken off the air. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember. And I remember the pall that was cast over over our shop for a while, a while after that. Like it wasn't, I I couldn't even believe it was real. I was like, this has got to be a bluff or it's got to be a mistake or it's got to be egos getting involved and everybody will calm down and they'll figure it out afterwards. But uh, brother, it was one of those things. It was one of those things. uh, Honestly, I had nightmares about it for months. Like I was so pained by it. You know, like it's one of those things. Now it worked out in the end. It worked out the way it should. And I couldn't be, any happier, more blessed to be where I'm at right now at ESPN. ESPN has been great, but you know, I didn't want to go. I wasn't looking to leave. And basically I felt like, you know, I was kind of tossed out the door a little bit. So it was very disappointing. And there were people I loved working with like yourself, like Rich, like Muir, Charlie, Bardia, all the people giant. Like there were a lot of, like, we all started that place, you know, like yeah. I know Rich started it, like, but we were in the door shortly thereafter. Yeah. And yeah. and it hurt to leave. It hurt. So, well, I still I, I still love watching you. I'm I'm so glad that you and I are still in a place 
friendship wise that, you know, we can do this or I see you at Super Bowls and whatnot. Let me tell a quick Adam Schefter story to, uh, to your audience here. <laughs> yes, so sure. this was and you'll remember this, I think, because we had a little laugh over it. It was oh, man, the Super Bowls blend together. I want to say it was it was maybe. I can't remember what city we were in. It was one of the Super Bowls in the last like three or four years. And you and I were entering into like the compound of like NFL uh, Super Bowl Live, they call it, which is like this perimeter. It, 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 it's indoors, outdoors, the convention center and stuff. This was not on Super Bowl Sunday. This would have been like on a Wednesday before. You've got a million shows that you're doing. I've got a million shows that I'm doing. And we were both walking through the metal detector. I don't know if you remember this or not. So you walk through the metal detector and they've got the trays there, you know, for security. And and <laughs> you you put you put your phone, you put your phone down on it and it and and you walk through the metal detector, but the but the tray didn't start to move. And I was behind you and I was like, I, I grabbed your phone and I was like, I want to see if if he if he'll discover that his phone didn't come through the metal detector. So I was like, <laughs> I could basically shut down ESPN's football department by holding on to the to the most valuable phone in all of sports television, Adam Schefter's phone. And then, and then you look back at me and I was like, I'm bro, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I got it. I know you carry two phones though, maybe. Yes, yes. two, no two. Well, the, the phone is to me what your bladder is to you. Tell me about your bladder and the Kalamata olives and how your streak of not going to the bathroom for seven hours since the show's inception has worked. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It's become this thing of legend now. And I think people believe that I'm trying to be like some kind of a tough guy or something by not going to the bathroom. And, and I don't I actually don't brag about it a lot. I, I, I lean into the joke because everybody hits me up and everyone thinks they're the first person that's ever asked me, Scott, when do you pee on the show? How do you you know, how do you do that? And, and so and I think it's because of this. Adam, they're watching seven hours, no commercials, and they don't want to get up. They don't want to get up from the couch because they know that the next great touchdown might be right around the corner. And, but eventually nature wins out. So they get up and they go and I'm talking and I'm calling the next game or whatever. And they go to the bathroom, they come back out, they hit their couch again, and I'm still talking. And everyone goes, well, wait a minute, I, I ultimately gave in. When does Hanson go to the bathroom? So everyone thinks that they're the first person, I think, to think of this. Here's the reality. I do not take a bathroom break. I dehydrate myself. I, I eat the salty breakfast beforehand so I can retain water. And it's not because I'm trying to have some streak or something. It's I'm legitimately, it's because I could go to the bathroom, but my earpiece, as we know it, our IFB is wireless. So they would kill my microphone, obviously, so you couldn't hear what was going on in the bathroom. But I would still hear the games in my ear. Yeah. And I would never forgive myself if I was in the bathroom and I hear Kevin Harlan or Jim Nance or, or someone call, that's the wildest touchdown that we have seen all season. That's one of the most ridiculous plays in NFL history. I would never forgive myself. So legitimately, I do not leave the set. And I go through the whole batter, uh, bladder bathroom thing because I don't want to miss a touchdown. And I won't miss a touchdown. But your fantasy team name is Iron Bladders, is it not? Like I said, I lean into it. My, my very good research. My fantasy team name, the undefeated highest scoring team in my NFL league, Iron Bladders. 
I, I lean into, I lean into it. I'm like, look at everyone has a fun time with it. I heard, um, remember the old actor Burgess Meredith? Yeah. Right. He was, you know, Mickey from the trainer uh, in Rocky, Mick, the, the train trainer from Rocky. He was also the penguin back in the day for the old Adam West, uh, Batman series, like right. the 1960s, maybe TV show. So I heard him say one time, uh, he's dead now, I believe, but I heard him say one time that, you know, you study your whole life in Shakespearean theater and memorizing iambic pentameter. And all anyone comes up to you and says on the street is, wah, 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 do the penguin thing, or you're going <laughs> to eat lightning and crap thunder. That's all they tell me. And he says, you know what? I'm, I'm a classically trained actor, but that's what they want to know. So fine. So I'm a classically trained broadcast journalist. I, you know, I consider myself a professional in our in our sometimes wild media world. But I'm like, if that's what people are interested in, ah, so what? I'll lean Great. into it. You and Mel yeah. Kuyper. Mel Kuyper's never gone to the bathroom during the draft. It's the same kind right. of thing. I think his streak is still alive. And Mel's a little older than me because obviously chronology plays into this. In fact, not only is everyone interested in this, Roger Goodell came up to me one time and said, Scott, is it true you don't go to the bathroom? And I said, yep, Roger, that's that's true. I, I don't. He says, by the time you get to my age, you're not going to be able to do that. And I laughed and he laughed. And I said, well, Roger, I said, hopefully by the time I get to your age, that that uh, modern science, modern medicine will catch up with with male physiology and, and we won't have that that issue. But so far, so good. The streak is alive. But that's he's exactly right about that. And that's why Mel's streak might be a little bit more impressive than your streak, Scott. Because I, 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 you're no younger argument. and he's done it longer and he's older. I, no, no, no argument. However, however. Teams have gotten sophisticated enough on the first round draft clock that that first round's only la only lasting four or five hours these days, I think. But he he doesn't day two, day three, he doesn't Nothing. leave either. Never goes, never goes. Well, day three is monstrous. Track. Day three is like a, a right. six, seven hour. And, and so is his, and so is his bladder, obviously. <laughs> and so is his bladder. Mel, Mel. I salute you, sir, and your bladder. <laughs> You've been doing this for 14 plus years. You're a natural at it. You're built for this. The job was built for you. Was there ever a moment in the beginning where you thought this was too much for you, where all these touchdowns are being scored, where everything's going on, and it felt a little too overwhelming for you? Yeah, it's – um, I, well, I would say this, going back to one of your earlier questions, too, I really felt that this was going to be a massive hit. I really felt like NFL Red Zone would be the definitive way that a lot of people would want to watch NFL football. And, and for a few reasons. One, just the concept. Seven hours, no commercials, every touchdown from every game, all the best parts. And I'm a I'm a not only a football historian, I'd like to consider, but a, but a sports broadcasting historian. And you and I are old enough to remember that the best way to get the comprehensive view of the NFL back in like the late 70s was Howard Cosell yeah. doing halftime highlights oh, yeah. on Monday Night Football, right? That was you a know, big deal. Would, big deal. Oh, big deal. And, and we, we wanted to stay up. Like I had to argue, please let me stay up to watch Howard Cosell's 
halftime highlights. And I got my dad and my mom to the point where they would let me stay up through halftime, but I couldn't see the end of the game because it was too late. It was a school night and all of that. But I got to see. And so I would hear Howard Cosell. And there he is, George Rogers, the young rookie running back out of South Carolina. You know, back in the day, it was like it was must-see TV because you didn't have cable and you didn't have, obviously, the internet and everything else. That was the way you got to see teams outside of your home city. And so then you fast forward a little bit into the mid to late 80s, into the 90s, and the best way to get the comprehensive look at the NFL was NFL primetime. Yep. Chris Berman and the gang. Absolutely. Hall of Famer doing the highlights. And and it was must see TV. You would just Correct. you would watch your games that you got fed on local TV, and then Sunday night you would be buried to Boomer and TJ and the and the gang doing all the highlights. Now, but here's the thing: yeah. Howard Cosell giving you that look was a day after the games were played. Mm-hmm. Chris Berman doing NFL primetime was hours after the games were played. NFL Red Zone in today's microwave society. Real time, baby. It is happening right now. And just the way the American sports fan consumes things these days, mm-hmm. it's the perfect application for what, what we do. Uh, so I thought it was going to be huge, and I just didn't want to mess it up. In fact, the most nervous I ever was going on TV for NFL Red Zone was the very first on camera of the very first episode. Not because I didn't think I could do the job, not because I didn't think it was going to be a hit. It was because I thought it would be a hit. And I said, Scott, whatever you say right now on this very first on camera is going to be replayed 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, the way we revisit the first ever ESPN Sports Center on camera and they still play it George Legrand and and, and the guys going on to, to do the very first sports I said this is going to live forever whatever you say so don't flub it baby because it's going to live forever whatever you say and, and have you seen the replays of that I have I have indeed in fact that's posted and? on my social media if if somebody wants to see it but uh it, it it came off well it was Brett Favre's first game as a Minnesota Viking wow it wow. was Kyle Orton's first game as a Denver Bronco. And it was, we had uh, Jags and Colts. Maurice Jones drew leading the Jags. And then of course, Peyton Manning leading the Colts. And then I came on and I, and I said, hi everyone. And welcome to NFL red zone. I'm Scott Hansen. Welcome to the first moments of the channel that we hope will change the way you watch football forever. And it may have seemed like bombast or hyperbole at the time, but there's not a day that goes by in the football season where people don't stop me or tweet me or mention that NFL Red Zone has changed the way the fans watch football. So in a way, it's become who you are. It's definitely my it's definitely my public persona. It's what I I guess I'll be known for, yeah, in 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 public. And uh there's I'm I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful because if I was a if I was a doctor or a lawyer or a school teacher or whatever, I, I'd still have the passion for the NFL and I'd be watching NFL Red Zone. But I trained my whole life to become as good of a sports broadcaster as I possibly can be. And I have tried to devour as much NFL information throughout my life as I possibly could. Those things about me 
seem to marry pretty well with the demands of the job. And quite frankly, I hope it's like Alex Trebek and Jeopardy. Hopefully it's just synonymous and this can be the final stop of my career as long as I'm good for the NFL and the NFL is good for me. And there's probably a lesson in there to every young person in whatever field he or she is in, because you learn certain things and you try certain things. And the more skills you pick up, inevitably, sometimes over time, they come together, marry up and form something like the red zone. Or you take the skills that you've been doing and become a television insider, which you didn't even know you were doing. And so things come together that you weren't expecting and you're training for it without knowing that you're training for it. And you wind up doing what you're doing in whatever field it is, Scott. It's a great, it's a great outlook. And I hope that there are a lot of people listening to that right now, especially young people. I know you get asked to speak at, you know, universities or high schools or to young professionals just starting their career. I get asked to do the same thing. And, and that's what I tell people. I, I tell people, try and become the most well-rounded person that you can be the most well-rounded individual. And if it's in an academic setting that I'm speaking to people, I'm like, you need to be good in every subject, not just public speaking. Or if you have a broadcasting class, you need to be great at that too, but you need to be as well-rounded of a human being. Because if your job is to disseminate information to people, you are speaking to people from every different walk of life, every different demographic, uh, every all over the geographical globe. In my case, NFL Network or NFL Red Zone is a, is a, is a global show because of the internet. And I want to be able to tap in and inform and entertain people uh, as a hopefully a well-rounded person to speak to a myriad of people that consume the NFL. Uh, beyond that, I think it leads to a more enriched life as well. And then, as you said, it, it, sometimes there are things in your in your life, personally or professionally, and both you and I have the testimony of saying, and professionally, there are things that when you sharpen those knives in the drawer. Occasionally, that's exactly what is called for when you get that specific job. And then you just got to take it and, and run with it and try and continue to elevate it to the next level. And that's what I'm doing here in season 15 of NFL Red Zone. You've done a great job of it. And I want to thank you for the time today, Scott. It's an honor to get to watch you do this on Sundays. It's great to see you achieve the level of success that you have beyond in the White House, be called out by Tom Brady, be <laughs> called out by Hollywood. And I wish you continued success and thank you very much for your time today. Adam, likewise, old friend, always good to see you and can't wait till we cross paths again and I could snatch your cell phone another time and try and, <laughs> try and shut down ESPN for a little while. All the best to you, brother. Love you, man. Love back, Scott. Thank you so much. How good is Scott Hansen? Honestly, he was born to do that job. And the people that watch him on Sunday understand. And even this past week at MetLife Monday night, I was walking out of the stadium with one of New Jersey's finest, a police officer named Mike. And Mike said to me, out of nowhere, unsolicited, do you know Scott Hansen? I'm like, do I know Scott Hansen? Listen to the podcast this week. Scott Hansen is going to be on. And therein is the story of why Scott Hansen is as popular and as successful as he is right there. We appreciate him taking the time to join us. We also mentioned my daughter, Dylan, in the podcast, wanting to stay up late to watch the Jets-Chiefs game that Taylor Swift attended on Sunday night at MetLife Stadium. On Tuesday, as we taped this, she turned 15. And 
I don't know what it is about that number. I know there are a lot of milestone numbers, but it just feels like yesterday we were leaving the hospital to take her home and everybody said, pay attention. It's going to go quick. And wow, did it go quick. And I can't believe 15, 16 is a very magical milestone for a lot of women. But 15 to me means you're not really a kid anymore. 15 means you're close to driving. 15 means you're now an adult. 15 means that we're 15 years into this incredible journey that we've been blessed to be a part of, a privilege to be a part of. And when I stayed in New York City on Sunday night after being in Bristol to be close to MetLife Stadium on Monday morning for meetings and calls and the pregame show for the Blitz on ESPN and NFL Live on ESPN and Monday Night Countdown on ESPN, I went for a walk in Battery Park right on the water. And there were a lot of kids in this little playground area with their teachers, little kids. And it just made me think about Dylan. I don't mean to get emotional here on the podcast or sentimental or nostalgic, but Monday morning I did. And today, Tuesday morning on Dylan's 15th birthday, I did again because I saw those kids walking around in that playground and they were so tiny. And that was Dylan. That's how she was seemingly yesterday. And now she's a freshman in high school. She's in her third year working for Nickelodeon, where we're so proud of her and helping to be a part of her life, raise her and be a part of her life has been the greatest honor of my life. And again, I don't know why I'm sharing this. It just was something that all of a sudden hit me on Monday, walking around Battery Park and being a part of her birthday celebration that will continue tonight with a family dinner at our house on Tuesday night. All right. I want to thank Scott Hansen for bringing the energy today. He always does. He always will. It's who he is. I want to thank my co-pilot there for the six-pack, Daniel Dopp, the host of the Fantasy Focus podcast. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week as we will be joined by the Fox broadcaster, Kenny Albert, who has a new book, A Mic for All Seasons, my three decades announcing the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and Olympics, coming out on Tuesday, October 10th. He will be on this podcast next week to share some of his favorite broadcasting experiences and people. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy week five. Be well and stay safe.